Before we start the podcast, I would like to thank my patrons. Thanks in part to the money you donated, I was able to buy a Roadcaster Pro. My next goal, aside from the usual costs of running this podcast, such as the gas to drive to my guests and the food and drinks I buy them, is some new microphones. I have some really amazing microphones that I'd love to have. If you're not a patron yet, please consider going to patreon.com slash buy the campfire and support me. Welcome to By the Campfire, a podcast in which I sit down around a virtual campfire to have a good conversation with a guest. No time limits, no prepared topics, just an old-fashioned conversation. My name is Jeroen de Jong. Uh, I, yeah, what can I say about myself? Uh, I'm a nice person. I started my career, uh, I think, 14 years back as a PHP developer. Uh, I've been interested in IT and in uh, yeah, everything related to IT all my life. Started once uh, at one point when my dad brought a computer uh, home. Uh, one of my neighbors was working for I believe IBM, so he had a lot of uh, computer knowledge, and he installed a lot of games on the device. So that triggered me, and uh, yeah, I started playing with it, and from there it evolved. Uh, I started uh, uh, information uh, engineering uh, study in Utrecht and finished a study, uh, study and uh, yeah, basically became a PHP uh, developer. I started my own uh, company together with two of my classmates. And from there, it yeah, basically evolved to what I am now. And yeah, the, the, the best example or the, the biggest thing I've uh, ever acknowledged or uh, created is a Dutch website called uh, Vakantiefeindingen. It started as a very small website and basically it evolved to uh, yeah, a very big company nowadays. And that also describes part of my uh, yeah, who, am, who I am and also how I developed uh, as a developer to what I am now. And what I am now is a Scrum Master or Agile Coach. Um, because of the company, it was growing. Uh, I started doing all sorts of things. Um, not only just development, also system administrating. At some point, we we got a team. Uh, I was more becoming a manager, IT manager. Uh, from there, it evolved. And the last couple of years, I've been busy with lots of things, have a lot of uh, different companies. And uh, a couple of years ago, I decided for myself, who am I really and what, I, uh, what do I ri- really like at this point? And at this point, it is... Uh, coaching people, uh, training people, uh, inspiring people. Uh, so my professional life, I've been focusing more on that uh, lately. So become a Scrum Master, an Agile Coach. And if I look back at my whole life, uh, that's basically also the, the main thread, or whatever the English uh, term is. Basically optimizing something, uh, uh, how, how to work, how, how it works. Uh, so that's more uh, my, my business um, business life. Uh, my personal life, uh, I'm married. I have three kids, young kids. Uh, the youngest one, uh, Benjamin, is uh, one and a half years old. Uh, Madelief, Daisy in English. Uh, she's uh, three and a half. And my oldest, uh, Tobias, is uh, five years old right now. We live in uh, Hilversum, a very nice house with a nice garden where I also like to work. And yeah, I think that's pretty much me right now. And Jelrik? Hi. Who are you? Well, that is a very existential question. Um, I try to be someone that connects to other people in unique ways. Um, 
but in my work life, I am a developer um, with a strong focus on coaching. So coaching developers into being better developers and while also coaching myself into becoming a better person. I think that, well, I can, I can go into quite a lot of detail. <clears throat> Currently, I'm a freelance web developer. I've been playing around with um, Agile Coaching and Scrum Mastery, as Jeroen did. Um, I found out that I am of more value to my customers as a developer with those uh, coaching skills um but as a developer nonetheless right yeah and i can remember uh you doing some training and things about communication yes i have been doing a lot of workshops on all kinds of communication uh, giving and receiving feedback for example um i train people in event storming um a workshop format that helps you get to what you are actually doing with your company it's kind of important i think um so yeah i've i've been doing all kinds of bits and pieces over the years but i am a developer professionally right yes and that's it uh php mostly right yeah mostly php currently um so backend development in php um i focus more and more on uh, the operation side of things so infrastructure uh, containerization uh, that kind of stuff as well okay yeah and you will you also have a background mostly in php or yes i yeah also did some uh basic back then basic pascal official basic delphi but my yeah most of my life has been uh, php right so you uh, you were a developer and you're not really a developer anymore. Yeah, I was That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I can also say I never really was a developer. Uh, I've, most of the time I was just basically playing with, with the stuff I, I could get my hands on. And you know, whatever I found interesting, I started playing with. Uh, yeah, Back then it was uh, Pascal Delphi uh, to create simple programs for just uh, for things I wanted to do back then. Uh, create music with the basic because then you could do the beep or whatever the, the function was anymore and make yeah. your computer make sounds uh, but later also uh, small trainers or uh, hacks for games so you could uh, cheat uh, uh, I collected a lot of uh, movies and music so I created a small database where I could easily enter the data and retrieve the information from it uh, Yeah, most of the time it was, it was a hobby and basically the hobby uh, got business at some point and yeah, during business, I was uh, a, jack, a sort of jack of all trades. Basically, I was interested in a lot of things related to IT. And when I started at Vakantie uh, Feindingen, uh, I was the only IT-oriented person in the room. So I was uh, accountable for the, uh, the one server we had back then. Uh, basically, all the computers uh, in the office as well. I also had, uh, did some courses on uh, Windows Small Business uh, Certification back then. Uh, PHP programming, uh, we did some Perl and Python things uh, for some scripts. So I also did some things there. I even did .NET at, at some point. Uh, so basically I, I picked up what whatever came handy at, at that point. And during the last couple of years, uh, yeah, I st still was doing some PHP development, but not the, 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 the nice high level uh, how everybody works nowadays. I can. 
identify and know why you should do it. Uh, I can. Not everybody works that way nowadays. That's true. The, Every the company I came in, they still have legacy and they're the, still, still the, working on The visible on part the of the community yeah. works that way. Yeah, the visible. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fine uh, having a discussion about some, I think something uh, with somebody. I can uh, do code reviews. I can uh, make suggestions. But for me, what I noticed, I find it hard to, uh, to create something like that from scratch. Uh, basically, I'm getting in sort of lock. I, I try. I'm getting or over engineering, or uh, I, I'm taking hours to decide in which folder I need to put a specific file. Or I have a function that I want to use multiple times, but in which kind of class do I put it so I can use the multiple la layers in the application? Uh, so basically, I uh, I started as a sort of script kitty, and yeah, basically, I'm still am. I think. <laughs> uh, and I have a very broad uh, interest, so yeah. Um, I, I am I am a developer. I can develop. I can identify with developers. But uh, am I a real developer? If I compare myself with a lot of other people, I'm not. I think. Right, right. But at some point, uh, you decided um, I want to do more than just developing. Mm -hmm. How does that process go? Um, now partly it was uh, a need sometimes. Because uh, we had some servers, uh, they needed to be, uh, to be maintained. Nobody else could do it, so I also jumped in there. Uh, later on, it was also uh, yeah, uh, somebody uh, uh, fell out of the team or stepped out of the team, and there was a hole we couldn't fill in, so I stepped in again. Uh, so I basically started doing a lot of things. And what I noticed for myself is I, I really like programming, uh, but at a, a certain point, yeah, I lose interest as well. And a couple of years ago, I really looked for, for myself what, of all the things I'm currently doing. Uh, what is the what thing gives me the most energy right now? What what really makes me tick? And yeah, back then that thing was uh, basically the uh, having uh, conversations with people, inspiring people, training people, uh, getting the most out of people, out of teams. And also, what I already did back then was helping uh, companies. Uh, get better uh, for themselves, create a better organization, uh, better structure, uh, uh, try new things, try try uh, creative things uh, to improve. Yeah. And for you, Jovic, because you also had a period where you were you decided you didn't really want to be a developer anymore, right? Yes, absolutely. So how, how did that work for you then? Um, well, what I noticed was that I... Um, well, as a freelancer, and when I worked for a certain contracting company, we shall not name, I think, um, it was yours. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, I found more and more that I walked into the same problem over and over again, um, the same technical problems, so the, the, the same finite subset of problems that I was asked to solve. So it got a bit boring, I think I think I've I thought I've uh, I had seen it all, and well, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But um, I decided I wanted to focus more on the human side of things. So I have been on the technical side for a long time. Then I went all the way to the human side, as they say it. So I went. Um, into a scrum master role, uh, coaching roles, um, been an agile coach um, at a certain company. So all the all the terms and all the the, the buzzwords have applied to me. 
well, on a function title level anyway. Um, so, and then I started missing the development part. So I thought, well, maybe there's more to it then. So I went from one um, side of the scale to the complete other side of the scale. And now I'm trying to find where in between I fit. Right. So where I currently feel most um, comfortable or not comfortable, but just, just outside my comfort zone maybe. So I keep learning. Yeah, so I, that, that's been a search and I don't think that search will ever end. Do you have any idea what kind of function title would fit with that? Is that a team lead or? Well, currently I see myself as a developer. Okay. As I said, it's uh, I am a developer and it really, really uh, depends on wh uh, what kind of team, what kind of people are in that team, what I can add. I right. mean, I've been in teams um, where I was hired as a developer, but turned Scrum Master, well, not in function title, but in uh, my daily work, I, I would do 70% of duties or duties or tasks that would traditionally, which is a weird word for a function title that only exists for 10 years, um, <laughs> but to a Scrum Master. So yeah. um, helping others um, <coughs> to work in their environment and with their environment instead of against it. Um, so not a lot of developing, but other stuff. So it, it went all over the place, basically. It's uh, fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to say about function titles. So the funny thing is that the last, basically since the start of my career, I never had a real function title. Mm. Uh, we started as a, uh, you know, it was our own company. So what's my title? Yeah, director or something? CTO. It would, it would for instance, it's also title. Now, uh, nowadays, it would be CTO probably or head of development mm -hmm. or something. And uh, during one of the companies I've also, I've also been, they were trying to uh, 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 set up holacracy as a model, mm -hmm. and basically for that they created uh, not uh, specific functions, but basically they would define roles with certain tasks from them, and then basically they would hook up the people they were responsible for a certain oh. role. And my name would pop up all over the place. <laughs> That's also why uh, one of the functions I gave myself a couple of years ago was ICT consultant, because basically with that title, I could do everything. pretty much yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, basically, uh, never having a real role and also uh, doing a lot of things that uh, gave me a little bit of trouble at the beginning of the year when I was looking for a real function. Because I wanted to, this time I wanted to do uh, a dedicated Scrum Master. Just that fo uh, one thing and just one focus and not uh, get confused with all the other things. And basically the, the, the first reply I, got, uh, I get on my uh, resume was, yeah, but what was your function over there? Yeah, I didn't have a function. I was just the, the jack of all trades. I did a lot of things and uh, the, the, yeah, the role or the, the, the function that needed most at that time, I stepped in, did that for a couple of months or for a couple of years and then stepped back again and took something else. And, and nowadays, people are, or at least the agile movement, people are saying, well, we uh, go away with all the, the roles and we need to be more the T-shaped people. So one thing and know a lot of things about the other things. Yeah. But HR it really doesn't know what to do with those kind of people. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I've seen it not, not only in, in tech, not only in IT, but in all kinds of, of um, uh, 
um, well, sections of the uh, employment market mm-hmm. where people of our age are, well, doing what they can instead of doing what they what their function profile says they should do. Mm-hmm. So what whatever they think makes sense um, for the company they work for at that time, instead of just keeping to that profile and function title that they have been assigned at some point. So that that's a really interesting thing, I think, for the whole job market. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's the funny thing. Um, uh, in both of your stories, I I hear, well, I just do whatever is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is no real one single function that that would fit that. Um, but isn't is that something? Is is there still such a thing? Is there still a market for a developer? Well, I don't know. Um, that really depends on um, as does what I do. Um, it really depends on the people. For me, it's it's yeah. still all about the people and how to connect with those people. If there is a um, a team that performs well and the whole company is happy with them and everything um, just works and they all identify as purely developers, why not? What yeah. what would be wrong with that? So for me, it's more about the people and how they um, can be themselves and feel comfortable with where they are than about putting putting up labels. Yeah, should should, but we still need the labels for HR. Basically, that's that's the reason we still have the labels. I think so. Yeah. Maybe for the pay pay grade, but that's also something that's uh, becoming still, a point of discussion still nowadays. HR, yeah. But that's 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 an interesting thing, because um, how are you going to determine pay grade if you if basically, I mean, the the best part, the best thing that could happen is basically what you describe, which is a team that everyone in the team finds a position within that team that works. And the whole team forms because of that. But there is no good way of describing what those people do. So how do you determine pay grades and things like that? Well, I would like to flip the question. Um, um, I think your question implies that um, we need those function titles for pay grades. But I would like to say, well, um, let's not label people or put people into boxes that i mean those people we we don't know those people when we put them into boxes because Mm -hmm. we just hired them yeah we just had two interviews with them and we try to determine what they can can and can't do um so i think it's way more important to start simple as we do in programming as well i hope um and add complexity where necessary so not start out with a lot of complexity and um, uh, uh, tr- all kinds of pyramid schemes to find out who's who's paid what and if that's fair. Yeah. Um, currently, we aren't doing that as well because I don't know a lot of companies that are completely open and transparent about their salaries. Yeah. Um, like um, I know um, one, but out of <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, exactly. Thinking about it. Exactly. I know a company I respect very much, um, and they are trying to be open about a lot of things, but this is still the main 
strive point there, yeah. I think, um, being open about that. So I think the only way for that, and that is very scrum mastery of me, I think, is transparency. Yeah. And it's the only way to do that. But in a, in a job market where um, employers have to basically fight for to get the right developers, mm -hmm. um, at some point you have to, to say, okay, but if you come work for us, this is what you're going to get paid. Mm -hmm. But if if it's very hard to determine the pay grade based on the role because the roles are fluid, basically, mm -hmm. uh, how... How how as me as an employer, how would I determine this is what you're going to get paid? Mm -hmm. um, if if there is no like uh, no point of reference, point of reference or well, a table in which I can isn't, point, but, but isn't know. isn't there a point of reference? You have what kind employees. of value would you, uh, you give give that employee? What what kind of value would he would he bring in or would she bring in for you? Right. What what is it worth? And That's apart awesome. from that, there is a scale. There is a reference point. You have employees. Okay. Yeah. So that is your reference table, not right. some some made up table of yeah. scales or uh, CAOs, as we say in uh, <laughs> in Dutch. Collective agreements. Yes. Yeah. Um, which describe or prescribe, not not describe, um, um, what someone should be paid based upon what someone somewhere in an office determined. Yeah. I mean, I know of a company that um, has their list of uh, salaries uh, out in the open for other employees, and it's basically a scale. So you can go up to that list and to your manager, there is just one, I think, um, and say, well, I think that I don't fit on my current spot in that ranking anymore. Right. Um, and I am very aware of the problem with ranking people in that sense. Um, but for them, it seems to work because it is nonviolent in some way. Okay. And it's it's not, I can't say this is a silver bullet, you should all do it, because this is a culture thing. You have to have a right culture for this. And you can't change culture in itself. You can only change other things and culture is a sum of that. So yes, it's very hard. It's not something you can do overnight. So as uh, both of you, well, you have more than one company even. Um, so Apparently I'm just a shareholder. So. Well, you're just a shareholder, mm -hmm. okay. Um, you're, but you're right now you're you're basically freelancing, right? Yeah. Okay, and and you're freelancing as well. Yes. Uh, talking about money, how do you determine your rates? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to yeah. go first, or basically, I, I look into the market. I talk to other people, people what uh, what they are asking, and also a big part for me is uh, what do I need for myself, and uh, how much do I like a company, or how much do I like a job, how much do I need or want that job. Uh, yeah, my rate is uh, yeah uh, is growing the last couple of years, but I think. Uh, it can be higher, especially if I uh, look around me and uh, some of my co colleagues I know of. Uh, but yeah, the current rate I'm asking for, I'm fine with it. Um, I'm making more than enough money to, to get around. Uh, so basically, uh, the rate that's that's fine for me. That's that's fine for me. Yeah. Okay. 
What about you? Yeah. Um, well, I have uh, some calculations somewhere on the back of a, of a paper towel um, that specifies my minimum rate. So something I don't want to work under because of two reasons. Well, one is um, my financial situation, of course. I mean, I have to pay the mortgage, so yeah. um, there has to be some money in it. Um, and the other is um, that I think there are a lot of people asking way less than that. And I think that makes it harder for everyone to get a fair wage right. uh, as a freelancer because there are a lot of people asking lower rates than that. But it's also... Uh yeah, depending on the the, the market you're you're targeting for mm, the, the kind absolutely. of businesses you're you're into. Right. Absolutely, I've been active in a lot of startup uh, startup companies, and yeah, maybe they want to pay more, but they they don't just yeah. don't have more, and also they're uh, they're used to uh, having yeah, jack of all trades like me, uh, yeah. or just starters. They have a pretty low rate, and yeah, they measure all the uh, the new ones they come in with that person, so they want to uh, don't want to spend anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for me at least, um, the uh, my rate is the inverse of how much I learn from it. So right. if I learn a, a lot from it, my rate is lower. Right. Because uh, it's more interesting to yeah. me. You get value in another way. Yes, but yeah, in in happiness and being interested in yeah. what I'm doing. So that's a that's a fair part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, now both of you have uh, I guess a successful business looking at you looking at the way <laughs> you move uh, mm -hmm. in uh, in the community and, and things like that um, how has that has it always been successful or have, have you had harder periods well I've seen um, the market for freelance developers being saturated um in the last few months, actually. Um, well, there there are jobs to do, but they are, well, I'm, I'm picky, so they are maybe not the most fun to do. Um, and, well, they, they don't always pay my minimum rate. So I think there are a lot of freelance developers that turned freelance in the last year or two. Um, so we, I th we promoted it a little bit too much from yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah we're we're in a community with the three of us and ten others uh, um, with all kinds of freelance web people um, to explain something about that um, and yeah we we kind of promoted ev uh, to everyone come and be a freelancer and now we created our own problem uh. no, no <laughs> we didn't but still yeah. Yeah, it's it's an, it's interesting to see when I when I started out years ago, I th there was a lot of work, yeah. and I think uh, you can recognize that as well, oh, Stefan, yeah. um, because you don't have to find work just for yourself, but yeah, for a lot of other people. Well, as well. a lot of three. Uh, well, there's there's three right now. The fourth is uh, uh, joining in June. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I can I I do recognize what you're saying. It's um, it used to be really easy to find the good projects, and uh, there's still stuff coming by. But there's there's not 
all that interesting anymore. Um, and another thing I noticed, and I'm, I'm not sure if you noticed it as well, is where we used to have a um, a trend going that allowed for more and more remote work. And now mm. I'm seeing less and less projects that allow remote work again. Oh, yeah, I, it, it isn't my market. So I, I oh, right. yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not looking for remote work. So I, I yeah. haven't seen that actually. Okay. I haven't been paying attention to that specific part. Um, yeah, I think part of it might be because of the, the whole Scrum movement uh, moving on and the Agile movement. Uh, they're promoting uh, yeah, to have the complete team on site or uh, at least co-located with each other. And yeah, my own uh, experience with it is uh, if you have a team with multiple co-located, uh, multiple uh, distributed people, it's harder to do a couple of events. It's harder to uh, get the communication going. But um, yeah, if you have a, a mature team, uh, they can do it. And also the, the business and the, the way of working need to be um, made, uh, it should be made possible to, to do remote work. So you need to have good communication channels. You need oh. to have uh, certain agreements, how you work, uh, in which way you, you, uh, you transfer knowledge. And that's also hard for a lot of companies. Yeah, exactly. If you have one remote worker, everything has to be, um, well, maybe not asynchronous, but at least typed up mm-hmm. instead of just discussed over yeah. the coffee machine. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very real risk um, that I see happening a lot, that uh, there are a lot of talks over uh, screens and, and, and just in the office that you will miss out on if you're remote. So you have to be, it, it's it's all in or not. There is no try yeah. or in between. Yeah, that's, that's I've, I've, I've been in a lot of different uh, companies and projects that in some form or way allow remote working, either part-time or full-time. Um, but the most successful companies in terms of remote working have always been the companies where uh, if even if there's only one person working remote, everything is facilitated like everyone is remote even though most of the people are in the office uh, and i think at least in my experience that is the most crucial thing yeah. f- for remote to work yeah. yeah is to just consider everyone remote even if you're <laughs> all in the same office except for one person mm-hmm. on the other hand it's um that might be a stretch for uh, a lot of companies what you could also try is the more generic just try it see what happens mm-hmm. and plan an, uh, an evaluation for that and make sure that you actually pay attention to what's happening not only on um, um, code performance wise thingies uh, outcome but also on communication level um, and i think in a lot of it teams that is often forgotten so pay attention to that and find out what works for you because maybe you don't have to you don't have to all bring your laptop uh to the next retrospective right um yeah. if it's just one person that could also be fine but find out what works for your team yeah pay attention to that yeah but um but that is the scrum master in me sorry <laughs> <laughs> so the um uh having having remote workers what is is there any silver bullet then no there is no silver bullet for anything 
Yeah. Oh, okay. So sorry. <laughs> Basically, the, the best solution is be open in everything you do. So uh, it's still okay to to have conversations, but uh, at least uh, note something of that in, uh, conversations uh, down in a uh, or a Jira, a Jira Confluence. Uh, put it on Slack. Put it on WhatsApp. Yeah. Uh, feed that information to the other people as well. Yeah. Oh, and as a company or manager. Um, trust your people. Yeah. If you can't trust them to work remote, you have the wrong people employed. Uh, yes, either the developers or the manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, if the manager can't trust any of their developers, then either all the developers are the wrong people or the manager is the wrong person. Yes. So yeah. yeah, which yeah. one is easier to replace? <laughs> <laughs> um, that is hard to say. Yeah, because you don't know those people. Nope. I've been in teams where it was all the developers. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so the um, uh, the other trend, well, trend it's it's been there for years, uh, has been uh, outsourcing to either uh, close to home, like looking from us in the Netherlands, Eastern Europe, or to a bit farther away, like India and, and things like that. Uh, does that affect the remote working part in, in your experience? In my experience, it does. Uh, most of the time, uh, if you're working with people from another country, you have uh, some cultural differences. Uh, some countries are very, uh, I get to that word that I never can pronounce right, hierarchical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <coughs> that one. So please now try you. <laughs> Maybe you can say hierarchical. Yeah, uh, you studied, studied something with languages, so you yeah, probably yeah, know I'm that. a linguist by <laughs> trade. Yes, uh, but that sometimes gives some uh, uh, some challenges in, in, in how you work with them, and also how you communicate. I, I've uh, noticed in the past that uh, uh, some people from certain regions they are uh, very eager to say uh, or to please you to say, yeah, I understand everything. Yes, okay. Uh, we understand what you say, and they don't understand understand it, right. or they don't take any initiative. And, uh, they just, uh, uh, yeah. During a retrospective, yeah, we're going to pay more attention if there's something comes up. We we uh, we call you and we uh, we we notify you, and then something happens and basically nothing happens. Right. Keep yeah. repeating it to them, and for some yeah. reason, uh, it's very hard to, uh, for some people. But well, I even I, I know what what a reason is. It's us, the Dutch. Mm -hmm. Um, the and very direct, very direct and yeah. yes, yes, that is, it's, it's very easy to like turn it around and say, well, they are just too shy to say, uh, no, to say there ways. is a problem, but I think it's mostly the other way around. Um, One thing I noticed at some point, uh, I'm a, I'm a business owner myself, so I was also, uh, uh, scrum master at, uh, at some point and uh, basically I was also one of the shareholders and we were facing uh, a certain issue and what I did was basically, yeah call my colleagues for me but they're just colleagues but they also happen to be shareholders so stakeholders and explain a cer certain situation and ask them for advice and uh, one of my uh, teammates they yeah basically couldn't handle it because i escalated it to the shareholders and to management and that was a big thing and for me it was just well i called a friend and i don't see any wrongdoing and so but that yeah. was uh, for me a big experience from well i need to pay more attention yeah. to what i'm doing and who i'm talking to or in which, uh, which way I'm talking to somebody. Yeah, I've worked at a company that, that hired a lot of um, people from all over Europe uh, and outside of that. And they 
paid specific attention to social events as well. So they they um, planned get-togethers for families of uh, the expats that came to the Netherlands um, with other people from that company as well. So they could socialize as well and talk explicitly about those things, about the differences in cultures, because they had... Um, I think from the top of my head, I could say they have uh, at least 10 different nationalities. So that's a lot of cultures to incorporate. So that's really interesting in that sense. A really interesting experiment. And one other thing is also the language. If you're uh, yeah. working with people remotely, um, yeah, or even if they're co-located uh, people, if they have different languages, uh, try to stick with one language that everybody understands. Right. Uh, I've been working in a company where we had uh, only one person who was uh, he doesn't didn't know any Dutch. He was intended to to, to learn it at some point. And basically, uh, from management out, they were saying, "Oh, we're from now on we're doing everything in English. So all the documentation is English, communication is in English." Uh, but then that was just for our group. So when we went for lunch, uh, everybody was speaking Dutch, and then the teammates all automatically started doing Dutch. So yeah. he was mm -hmm. singled out. Uh, when we had a business event or a, a demo for something for the business, uh, the invite was in Dutch because they didn't think of it. Uh, yeah. All those kind of things, then yeah, you're basically already singling out that that one person. Yeah. And even in the team, if if uh, yeah, uh, fifty percent is Dutch, fifty percent is uh, non-Dutch. Uh, if you ask something to one of your Dutch colleagues, uh, try to do it in English, so at least everybody can hear what you're talking about, even if it's not interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit nicer for them. They feel more welcome. And also, uh, if they hear something they uh, have an opinion about or they know something about, they can even help you. Yeah. So that is that is something that's been, at least in my bubble, uh, that's been getting a lot of attention, like inclusivity, not just for people who speak a different language, but also people with different backgrounds and, and you know, everything. Um but still, I see a lot of companies, well, at least the companies that I go to, where the whole team is Dutch, white, males, uh, all around the same language, or the same age. Um, how how is it that even <coughs> though there is a lot of attention for for uh, things like this, that we still get the same teams, the same people. Well, I know how that works. That's that's I think been proven scientifically over and over again. Um, when you're in an interview with someone, you would you are empathizing way easier with someone that it's is the same that, as you. That is the same yeah. as you. Yeah. That is a psychological effect. So the only way to break that, um, I mean, first it was get more women uh, in uh, power positions, and you know that yeah. it, it's all. Um, uh, all groups that are not the white Caucasian males yes. um, have been through that or are going through that right now. So I think it should be a conscious thing that you want to break yeah. before it will break. It will not break if you think, well, we'll uh, yeah, well, if they just come to us, we'll hire them. But that's just not true. But if, if people do that... Mm -hmm then you get a lot of pushback from uh, other groups of people that say, well, we cannot do positive discrimination against certain groups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's, um, I think it is the only way to break this. I mean, if yeah. you're, if you're not specifically and explicitly doing this and breaking that, um, 
automatic process that is inside all of us, inside of me, inside of you, inside of everyone, including every social justice advocate that is around there, um, it will not change. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, we, we could say we can't positively d- discriminate, but then we're actively discriminating the other way yeah, yeah. because of how we're we're wired. Yeah. So there is no neutral ground here. And that is that is sometimes very difficult. I know. I've 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 said that a lot as well. Yeah. We can't positively uh, discriminate. But yeah, I've been starting to believe that that is the only way. And there is no neutral ground anyway. Yeah. So let's then make a positive change. Yeah. Is it is this something that um, the government should step in? And make rules about that? No. Well, I, it's well. Will Will it change otherwise? Do Do you think it will change if there are no laws? I, yeah, I think it will change, but I can't think of any sensible way to put this in a law. Right. Okay. That yeah. That is that is more the point than that. Well, if if you could like for every company, um, make a specific plan about this and for their tailored for their business. Yeah then it would make sense but that's not something the government can do no no that's true I think. that's true okay so we have to force ourselves to think differently yeah keep talking about it make it visible uh, it's something that needs yeah, needs to change uh, by itself i think it's yeah. also part of the uh, how you raise your people uh, how you raise your children yeah yeah in the community you live in yeah if you don't make it visible in some way or yeah yeah i I certainly tried to do that um i have to say we uh, my wife and i uh, in raising our children in such a way that they are open to you know people that are not exactly the same as they are um but a part of me doesn't want to change or doesn't want to wait for that change to happen in the next generation I wanted to change. And I wanted, I wanted that change to have happened already. Yeah, but that that is something you can't influence. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I'm I've been reading about uh, stoicism uh, uh, lately. Um, so there's there's the whole thing of, well, you you can put a lot of energy into stuff that you can't change or can't influence. That is wasted energy. So. Um, right don't do that is basically what they're saying it doesn't make any sense so what i'm doing is change the world in ways that i can change it so be an example um try to be an example i mean i'm not perfect let's let's get that very clear nobody is no exactly um that would be boring by the way um but I think the only changes we can make are the changes we stumble upon, the situation we we stumble upon. Uh, For example, um, I've uh, explicitly decided a few weeks ago um, that I would no longer um, let racist jokes slide. Right. So I'm not going to talk along. I'm not going to be silent anymore. I will not do that. That yeah. is something I explicitly and actively decided upon. Um, I've I've never really laughed or talked along with it. 
but I've let it slide right. and I won't do that anymore. Yeah. That That is the kind of change that I've been committed to because I can't change the whole world at once. Right. So yeah, that, that is m- just my, my way of doing things, not, not get depressed over the whole world not changing in the at, at the rate i wanted to yeah yeah that's i try to do that uh when i encounter like racist or sexist jokes and things like that in real life um my social media policy has been if i see people share racist jokes or sexist jokes stuff like that i just unfriend or unfollow mm-hmm. uh, because i don't the, the the digital the social media discussions unless you have the right people are they escalate yeah yeah they're, they're just flaming immediately yeah uh even if you try to respond with a respectful uh clear message you know this is why i think why i think you shouldn't be doing this uh you immediately get attacked and it it mm-hmm. turns into a flame war mm-hmm. um do you do you do the same thing or do you also try online try to can i can i counter that with another question sure so what what would be a um result you would be happy with if you posted something uh, in response to a racist joke or a sexist joke for me uh, the most important thing would be the discussion and not even the result uh, okay. Because I know I can accept that not everyone thinks the way I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I have people on Facebook that I really, really disagree with on, for instance, a political level uh, or stuff like this. And who would um, they would they they will post jokes, racist jokes or memes or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, uh, and but if I respond with uh, and I try to start a discussion, I I will get a response, and I will yeah. get a respectful discussion. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I know I cannot convince them mm-hmm. to stop making those jokes, yeah. but I will accept it because I do respect them on for different reasons. Okay, but why? What what is the point in that discussion? Because is is the discussion the goal or is Well, for me it would be uh creating awareness with those people. With those people, okay. Yes. And what what I've seen is that I get most influenced uh, when I am browsing Twitter for example on first level comments on posts I disagree with. Right. So the comment itself, for me, uh, a, th- a third party in that discussion, so mm-hmm. someone who is not involved in that discussion, that is what I uh, get something out of. Interesting. So for me, it would not. I'm I'm not very active on Twitter anyway, um, but for me, it would be not for the per- not ex- um, well. Maybe if they want to hear it but I'm not going to try any further right. than just posting one thing. Um, it would not be for the poster. It would be to um, either inspire someone else or um, reassure someone else that not the whole world is like the poster. Right. So yeah. that, that, that is what I get uh, a feeling of warmth from. 
when I would read it. Right. So f- for me, it would be that, not trying to change someone's mind, yeah. just make it visible, create awareness, basically. You know what? Uh, the, uh, I guess uh, there's different types of posts. Uh, I mean, they're all basically the same thing. Racist jokes, sexist jokes, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. In the Netherlands, we have the Black Pete discussion. Yes, yeah, I uh, know something about that. <laughs> which is which is a very good example. Um, and I have some people in my friends list on Facebook, for instance, where I know that once that discussion starts, they're gonna they're gonna yes. make some de- jokes and and it has broken up families. Uh, and well, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, oh, yes. well, I can imagine. Um, but the thing is, where when I from certain people I accept that they make the jokes mm-hmm. uh, because I know I cannot convince them otherwise yeah I respect them on a different level so yes. not for for stuff like this but for other things um, and I've tried at some point to start yeah. a discussion and I know I cannot convince them it's mostly where the 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 main issue that I have is mostly the people that share memes and things like that. Um, that don't consciously think of what they're sharing. Yeah. Um, and this is this is what I mentioned be, uh, meant before when I try to create awareness with those people mm-hmm. of what content they're actually sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they if they do it consciously and can um, can can explain why even if I don't agree with it that's okay mm-hmm. but if I comment on it and they just come back with a are you saying I'm a racist that's the point where I say okay that's enough <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. gonna affront this person mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna try anymore yeah uh, because you know and that's literally fairly family members I've unfriended family members on, on Facebook mm-hmm. f- for this specific reason mm-hmm. um so, but it's interesting because I hadn't seen it from your point where such a comment could would maybe not influence the person you're actually talking to, but someone else. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought of that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and I'm not, not trying to convince anyone of doing things my way or seeing things my way, but it's, um, well, if, if your way works for you, then go you. If if that is how your sense of respect works, right? Um, yeah. Then yes, go for it. Who am I to judge that, or yeah. who am I to try and change that? Um, well, if I say something that resonates with you, then go ahead and take it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's more my point of view on. Well, I hope a lot of things. Well, I think if uh, everyone in the world was like that, this would be a much better world. <laughs> If I was like that, that uh, if, <laughs> if if I was like that all the time, that would be a, my life would be better as well. <laughs> so I'm I'm now I'm, I'm not a saint uh, again. So um, this is not some this is something I strongly believe in. Right. It's not something that is part of my DNA yet, and it's something that's evolving all the time. Yeah. So so you mentioned you have some knowledge of this whole black beat discussion yeah i'm also being a bit quiet in this conversation that's also because i'm uh, i don't have a strong opinion myself okay. most of the time 
But uh, because of this discussion, uh, I've been made aware of it, and also I, I recognize it more and more. And if I see it happening somewhere, I uh, most of the time I'm, I'm don't see a, say it directly in the group, but at least uh, directly after I go talk to a person as well. Right. Well, you just said this. Maybe the group is uh, is fine with it, but uh, take in mind that it may offend also some people. So at least it's making me more aware. And uh, the Black Pete, uh, one of my uh, the companies I'm a shareholder in, uh, is uh, not the club from Sinterklaas directly, the the Sinterklaas in the Netherlands, but we create for uh, the club from Sinterklaas uh, personalized videos, uh, video messages uh, from Sinterklaas and its Pete's. Right. So every year we uh, we create a movie and we make those personalized videos. And every year there's uh, yeah, every year the the uprise is more and more. Uh, about the whole Black Pete uh, stuff, and yeah, as, as the company, uh, we we ourselves already yeah we are aware of the discussion and we're trying to uh, uh, yeah, to, to to not uh, take a stand or um, not take a stand directly mm -hmm. because that also influences yeah part of our customer base because they really like the black peat and when they want to uh, uh, to keep the black peat also not to offend the other uh, the, the other party and uh, yeah, basically what i disagree on is the the stereotype of a black peat so the the yeah, basically the, the real original black peat as it was uh, but also the the version with all the the strange colors and details and mm -hmm. patterns that's also not really what I like, but maybe there should be an introduction of the whole black peat thing. I yeah. don't know what your list yeah. listener that's, that's base a good point. is. That's a good point. Um, for those for those not in the know, um, so we have Santa Claus, which is uh, in concept similar to Santa Claus. Uh, it is the other way around because well, Santa yeah, Claus okay. is a Santa cheap ripoff rip of uh, our Santa yes. Claus. Yes, but I'm now talking to probably. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to introduce it for people that know Santa Claus and don't know Santa Claus. Sorry. Um, uh, it, so it's a very similar thing, except that uh, the the helpers are not uh, elves, uh, elves, elves uh, or, or anything like that. They're not basically not fan fantasy people, uh, but they're very right now at least very stereotypical uh, blackface uh, big red lips uh, rings in their ears uh, curly hair curly hair you know very yes. stereoty stereotypical uh, helpers mm -hmm. uh, where if you if you dive into the history um, I don't think it was like that like either even 50 years ago um, but um, and the, I think the original backstory actually is that he was a saint in Turkey, I believe. Yes. And he liberated uh, a lot of slaves, and that that were his helpers. That was basically the could be I'm, something I'm not like aware. that. Something like that. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Well, yeah, exactly. That makes sense, right? And uh, if as you a backstory, not as, as a current practice. Exactly. Uh, so, and uh, in previous couple of years there's been a really really big discussion including uh, protests and blocked protests and uh, things like that uh, about this stereotype mostly this stereotype not specifically against black pete although i guess no, some of the, the activists the stereotype and also the basically uh, uh they being slaves or uh, at least in the class being the master of those yeah Pete's. yeah exactly exactly um and that's that's the discussion that we're talking about. Yes. And since you actually have business in that mm -hmm. sp 
specific area. Uh, but it's also the how the story is explained. Uh, I know Sinterklaas all my life, but I've never made the connection with uh, with slaves or with a master-slave relationship. For me, uh, the Black Pete, he was black because he went down the chimney all the time. So that's yeah. how he turned yeah. black. And that's also, maybe it's uh, how my family introduced uh, the Black Pete to me at some point, mm -hmm. or maybe I read something yeah, like that. So I, I'm yeah. not, so not aware of so the, the other way. The, the Pete's are actually distributing uh, gifts yeah. through the chimneys. Yeah. That, that is, yeah, the, that exactly. is the story, basically. Yeah. Uh, so instead of a slave, they are just uh, friends of Sinterklaas. And yet yeah, they happen to be black because they go w go down the chimney a lot of times. Uh, that's how I always saw it. And I yeah. never saw any yeah. uh, absolute hurt for anybody. But even if I look back uh, f to my old ch childhood, when I, what I heard from my mother, uh, I also used to say, hey, there's a black Pete over there. Yeah. And that was just a... a, a uh, color person, yeah, and I ca can imagine if you, uh, you if you're a, curl a color person, you hear hear that all the time. Yeah, you're taking offense, uh, offend out of yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's the thing, um, and that's that's exactly where I think this discussion is getting really uh, hard, because I don't think a lot of the pro black Pete people are m are meaning to be racist. They're just not empathetic enough to the other side mm -hmm. to understand the effect that it may have, and especially in like in the last twenty years or so, maybe, where the the, the form that Black Pete has taken has been more and more stereotypical, whereas before they, it wasn't always uh, a blackface. It could have could be brown or could it could be a lot of shade different shades and different types and things like that and in recent years it has become more extreme up until like three or four years ago when when, when the, the discussion, discussion yeah, I also really have a feeling that's the the the, the, uh, the result of the whole discussion because uh, I know a couple of villages uh, around uh, where I live uh, they still have the the full black peats with the areas oh, yeah. and the red lips etc and I also know uh, where I live in Hilversum, uh, for many years already, they have basically all colored peats. They all even have animals uh, dressed up yeah. uh, walking the parade. Uh, yeah, it really depends on where you are. And uh, uh, yeah, the more the discussion uh, arises, uh, the more people are also going against it and yeah. making a statement by doing so instead of empathizing and also uh, see what the problem is. Yeah, I live in a, in a small conservative village. Um, even the notion of um, changing the appearance of Black Pete is uh, is laughed at uh, because that's just how it has been, mm -hmm. how people know it. But then again, it's a small conservative village. I mean, even they didn't they didn't even want to put up uh, a rainbow flag uh, at our. Um, main house city hall city, city hall, hall. yeah um at some point for um i think it was coming out day or something like that um yeah i think um where you live is also part of the dutch bible belt yes so yes there there's yeah. a, there's some conservatism exactly. over there exactly and that's that's of course a difference with uh, big cities like utrecht where from what i understood they have no actual black peats anymore like no blackface beats anymore 
I wouldn't know. Sorry, I'm the only one of us three that lives here, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't have children, so. Yeah, I've, well, I've it's, all, it's a discussion that I've been following, yeah. of course, uh, because I, I do care about. But well, the the Utrecht uh, uh, City Council has discussions until late about the um, um, uh, vegetarian uh, snacks on um, city events. So, well, yeah. they're they're not perfect as well. No, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, we how did we get here? We got here through uh, inclusivity, in, uh, like in general, in terms of companies and things like that, um, and how to change that. And, and we turned into a black beat discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I was wondering <laughs> how we got here. <laughs> that's <laughs> because really th this is for the people that don't know. This is the actual most intense discussion on on any level in the netherlands i think it, it's yeah it's it's between more publicity than uh, all the other yeah areas. yeah it's between between this and and uh, refugees <laughs> that that's the two yeah hottest topics in the netherlands yeah exactly and well yellow yellow jackets uh, ye yellow high vis uh, yeah. jackets, something but i yeah. don't know what they want so well but that's that's uh i mean i guess that is par part of the um, the growing split up in not just the Netherlands, I guess, internationally as well. Between I like, um, if I look back uh, 20, 25 years, um, like politics in the Netherlands, where uh, we had mostly center parties, center left or center right parties, and we had some more extreme parties, but even they were not as extreme as the stuff that we find normal these days. Um, and but these days it's like you're either left wing, you're right wing. There's, there's no center party anymore, uh, and I don't think that's ne ne exclusive to the Netherlands either. Um, Is that a, a result of uh, more uh, more openness, more social media? Basically, everything you say now can have a really big impact all around you, and also everybody can read it. Yeah, I think so. Um, what I realized uh, two, three years ago, maybe, no, even longer probably, is that without realizing it, I had turned into a pretty extreme, in my case, left-wing person, uh, where I would actively pursue discussions, especially online, because it's so easy to get into discussions online, uh, on any topic that I really cared about and that that was when i realized well th this is what has been happening to a lot of people without them knowing it uh we all dig a hole for ourselves and we don't we don't want to budge anymore we don't want to make a compromise anymore uh, but how can we change that <laughs> are you going very deep <laughs> Well, this is still something I can uh, solve with that stoic part. Yeah. Start with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Be the change you want to see. Yeah. It's it's not going to change everything at once, but very little that I've ever seen happening is going yeah. to change everything at once. Yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe I'm a bit cynical, but I wouldn't consider myself cynical. I rather uh, uh, see myself as well, stoic or something. Um, 
Ja. Ja. So is that also um, um, because you mentioned at the start um, you're you're also trying to uh, create a better self. Mm-hmm. Um, is this is this part of that? Like, um, I think this is well. Um, it depends on what you define as a better self. I think this is has been born um, out of my needs for better or a saner mental health. Right. Um, so this is just a protection for myself. Yeah. Um, not to want to try and change everything around me. Right. And failing at that and then feeling miserable about that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's from there. It's it it's yeah, creating a better self, but that is a byproduct, I think. Okay. So it's yeah, helping myself um well be happier. Right. I think. So maybe maybe yeah. it is it is about creating a better self, but yeah, I'm, because I'm not you sure what that exactly means. If if you say if you say um, the better self is a byproduct, mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand you say I want to be happier and I want to you know improve my mental health. Uh, that sounds like a better self. That sounds it? like a better yeah. self. Yeah, fair. So is so so, so, so for me, better self means a better self um, to the outside world. Right. Okay. So okay. that that is, I think, the assumption I did in my head. But right. Yeah, you can see it either way i think yeah. well th- i'm interested especially because this is still a uh a struggle that i'm going through myself mm-hmm. and i have a very no, not a very clear but i have a, a pretty uh, specific idea of the person that i would like to be mm. um but Hard, and, isn't it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well first of all yes. figure out who you want to be that's i mean i mean i'm 40 Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, in the last five or six years, mm-hmm. I've I finally figured out that uh, where I was wasn't where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then you have to figure out where do you want to be. Well, uh, do you? I mean, planning is essential. Plans are useless. Yeah. Okay. So I well, I, as I said, I don't to quote Winston <laughs> Churchill <laughs> to sound intelligent or something. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I don't. I don't have a very detailed idea of who I mm-hmm. want to be or where I want to be, but I do have a a, a main direction that I want to go in. Um, but it's very hard to find the right way in that direction. Yeah, I can imagine. Um. So, it, I, what? How do you approach that better self? How do you find the right way of doing that? I mean, yeah. you tried. Um, I, I, yeah. You tried the the. Um, I'm gonna quit developing and uh, do yes. something else. I'm guessing that was part of that. Um, the search for the Absolutely. right road. Absolutely. And now you found uh, that. That may not have been the right road, or well, that was the right road at that time. At time, okay. Okay. So um, I'm not having a point where I want to go to in mind. Yeah. Um, uh, On the well, this this gets very, I don't know, um, (laughs) macabre maybe. But (laughs) on the on the tombstone of uh, my uncle, 
uh, it says, well, it's it's in Dutch, of course, but I can translate. Yeah. Um, uh, the the way is the goal. The road is the goal. Road is the goal. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. So I think I very strongly believe that. Okay. So it's well, it's I, I can relate it to Agile and Scrum very easily because well, you take one step yeah. and see where you are now and what the most sensible next step is. Um, so yes, you can have visions of maybe where you want to go, but you keep rechecking them. Right. Um, and for for your original question. Um, what helped me uh, when I was struggling uh, with depression uh, years back, uh, I had a lot of help from a book called Radical Acceptance, um, which goes into um, the whole urge to want it, to change yourself, yourself and discard that whole idea for first accepting and... Well, I, I always find this word too fuzzy, but loving yourself, loving everything about yourself. So embracing everything, not, not just accepting, yeah, okay, okay, it's there, but really accepting what you are and who you are right? before you can even try to find out where you want to go or what your next change yeah. could be. So what it did for me was get out of the window all the expectations I had for myself or all, all most of the expectation. I'm not perfect. I keep repeating this. <laughs> um, but it got, it got rid of that. And it showed me some totally different steps to take. Um, so it, it changed my backlog. Uh, right. uh, as we would say in uh, agile terms or scrum terms um, because I had my whole backlog uh, planned and uh, uh, refined and story pointed for the next two years but you know what we call that waterfall right? <laughs> um, yeah. in, in software development terms yeah. that doesn't work for software development it doesn't work for personal development as well right so I think that's a very that that book resonated with me very very strongly, and taught me a lot even down the road when I went into situations two years later where I thought, hey, this is what that book meant. Right. So for me, that was a. I mean, it's not about the book; it's about the idea of yeah. first accepting where you are and who you are before starting to try and change something. Right. Yeah. Out of curiosity, Jeroen, you, I mean, you switched, um, well, I wouldn't say switch careers because it's still one career, of course, but you switched the focus of your mm -hmm. career. Um, has, uh, was that part of the of the whole, um, I'll do whatever is needed and uh, whatever is wanted of me at, at any point in my, in my career? Or has that also been part of a road to self-improvement or something like that? It was also a road to self-improvement. Okay. I, uh, yeah, years back, I think after five or six years into my career, uh, basically I had my first uh, period of real stress. Uh, my company itself uh, wasn't doing so well. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff. So uh, mentally I was uh, thinking, well, uh, maybe in a couple of months uh, my company stops, exist, uh, stops to, uh, to exist. What shall I do? I, I can do everything, but I can't do anything. So right. who 
should hire me? Where should I work? What should I do? Uh, that was very stressful for me at that point. Uh, what took me through back then was uh, basically a, a personal coach who I uh, reflected with, mirrored with. Uh, she talked me through, well, uh, uh, you're thinking way too low of yourself. You're, uh, yeah, you, uh, you're very smart. You're very clever. You, you can do a lot of things, but that's also your power, not your weakness, as how I saw it back then. Mm-hmm. And basically that helped me then to have a little bit more focus, but I still like to do a lot of things. And what I, uh, it wasn't giving me that much stretch, but it was more, uh, I noticed uh, I wasn't really enjoying my work anymore. I wasn't really uh, enjoying life anymore at that point. Uh, got more cranky, if I uh, uh, can quote my wife. <laughs> uh, so at that point, it, it basically, uh, I was reflecting to myself, well, what am I doing right now? Uh, I'm, for me, I mapped it out in a mind map. Um, and from there, I just uh, was checking, well, if I do this, uh, how happy am I for myself? Uh, how do I feel? Uh, what does it give me? Yeah. And I basically did it for all the points, and one stood out pretty much, and that was the, the whole Agile movement. Uh, and also, if I reflect to my whole career, I can, yeah, like Jelrick says, uh, I can uh, easily ad- identify with the whole movement. It basically was, was, was what I was always already doing, without even knowing it yeah and also uh yeah coming back as a programmer how i like to uh the the the, the stuff i like to work on best is the uh, legacy stuff and basically how i uh, approach a legacy project is basically uh, agile again first i make things transparent i make things uh, work on my local machine i make it uh, uh, visible what happens if i push a certain button then i just uh, inspect i'm going to fix things, try things, see what happens. And based on the reaction, I'm going to change things uh, and basically adapt uh, working on it. And yeah, doing something like that basically uh, determined my life. And uh, last couple of years, uh, I started reading more. Uh, I also read a lot of, uh, about stoicism, uh, not uh, directly for improving myself. I'm more ran, to, uh, ran into it uh, by accident. Uh, I saw a book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way. I didn't think much of it about uh, philosophy or anything about it. I just saw it as, well, if you have an obstacle, how could you treat that obstacle to uh, to move on? And basically, that's how I was introduced to Tosism. But, uh, yeah, you don't need to say, you don't have to see it as an obstacle, see it as a learning moment or see it as an opportunity. And from that point, uh, yeah, basically, you change your mind yourself. Right, right. So at some point, you said to yourself, I, I want to try something else. Uh, mm-hmm. The same goes for you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so one, I've I've come to a similar point, right, where I'm not enjoying programming as much as I used to, um, and I'm thinking, okay, what what else can I do? Um, but what I'm, and maybe this is an obstacle that I'm creating myself in my head, right? But what I'm really looking or uh, uh, bumping into is. I'm, I am a pretty senior developer. I have more than 20 years of PHP experience. Uh, if I would now try to position myself as a, uh, for instance, a Scrum Master, let's say a Scrum Master or an mm-hmm. Agile coach, I would be the completely uh, uh, newbie on in that area. Um, so could I still my rates in the same place for instance i think it depends how you at least for me it is uh, if i'm interested in something i'm uh, already uh, learning a lot about it yeah 
And for me, uh, the first time I was a Scrum Master was in 2011. Uh, and after that, I never been an actual Scrum Master anymore. Basically, I did some tasks as a Scrum Master, but I never uh, fulfilled the role dedicated. Uh, but I kept learning, I kept uh, visiting meetups, I kept visiting conferences. And basically what I noticed from the, the conferences and meetups or the, the workshops I was attending was uh, when there was a room full of uh, professional Scrum Masters, uh, uh, I was explaining them how they could improve, how, yeah. they, how they could work. Uh, okay. And basically, I got feedback. Yeah, how many years are you a scrum master? How many teams do you have? Or and basically, my reply was, "Oh, I don't have any experience. <laughs> it's just uh, for me. It's sometimes just common sense and uh, and reading about it, learning about it, uh, going to conferences and, and yeah, talk about it. Right. And for me now, it was more. Uh, yeah, I got some luck that I had a, fin- a financial situation where I could uh, take some time to really find a new uh, a new assignment. Right. Uh, but basically making the step the hardest part was uh, uh, closing off or shutting down the, uh, the my previous uh, previous uh, jobs right. and also the uh, my colleagues I was le- leaving over there um, and basically well, what I did after that was yeah, take the time to uh, to read a little bit more uh, and also to, yeah, to talk about other people and see if I could in some way uh, level myself with certain degree or some or certain thing and right. look for a job there yeah exactly um, just do be, it well talk, talk a lot about what you want to do on mm. meetups on networking occasions yeah. because then someone eventually will say hey i've got something right um or maybe even four months later will remember hey he was doing that he was good at what he was doing before yeah. i know that so what uh, it was a real struggle for me to find a um, a gig um, that was titled agile coach or scrum master. Yeah. I mean I've I've done that before. Um, so I was with a company for one and a half years and I've grown with them basically. So they needed a sort of scrum mastery person. Right. Um, when I was there in a role of the developer. Mm-hmm. So I took that on. So they knew what I was capable of. Yeah. And well, what I did was basically drop the um, coding part, but still kept doing, uh, kept checking pull requests or checking code, doing code reviews um, and helping the others. Um, so for me, it was that was kind of a logical thing, a natural thing f- to happen. But then finding something that actually was titled Agile Coach was uh, due to a friend of mine okay. who was in a company that needed that. He introduced me. Um, there was a lot of doubt um, because I didn't have the title of Agile Coach or Scrum Master on my resume. Right, yeah. Um, then some references got called and well they took the shot okay. and that was yeah that that was it it was we're, we're taking the shot so yeah it's it's a struggle where where did you get the confidence to to sell yourself uh, as a an agile coach or scrum master well i think it was kind of the same thing as jeroen mentioned um i noticed that i was in the upper half of smart people in the room right so i was yeah it i uh, when i visited workshops or 
conferences or meetups, I found myself, and maybe this is a bit boasting or boasty or something or unrealistic, but explaining things to others and getting questions from others. How would you do this? Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe that was it. Or just being, well, I, I wasn't, confident in myself that was the whole point i i wasn't feeling confident okay yeah but i did it but anyway you, oh right okay so i think that was more more it than being confident so the most important thing is to just take the leap well if you just try if it. you well if, if you, you feel, feel you like it, it if oh, okay. you feel like yeah. it not not take any leap yeah okay it's if you if you think this is the most logical next step yeah. on your backlog then start with it. If if that is the most valuable thing you could be doing right now, do it. Okay. And to keep in mind of agile and uh, just give it a try and give it a shot. Experiment yeah. with, with it. Uh, launch a, launch a small experiment. Uh, take up a job for a couple of months or yeah. uh, uh, try to take it on a job as a side job. Uh, see how it works out, how it feels. Uh, yeah. And take and action from there. So... Um, how how do you find like I don't know about you uh, I'm I'm a PHP developer mm -hmm. I've built my business on PHP mm -hmm. which also means that the bubble that I'm in uh, mm -hmm. feeds me uh, PHP positions mm -hmm. yes um, so how how do you get out of that bubble into the into the 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 bubble that you want to be that you want to target where you want to be. How do you find uh, the the projects, the gigs uh, that need? For me, it were, were uh, uh, meetups and uh, conferences. Right. Uh, I've yeah, I, I've I'm, go I'm going to conferences uh, for uh, pretty much years already. I'm, I'm not sure which uh, this year was the eleventh or the edition of PHP Benelux tenth edition. A tenth, yeah. Tenth edition. So at least I'm going to uh, for ten years already, maybe even longer. Uh, and basically, the, the the conference I visited before were just the PHP conferences. And at some point, I started visiting uh, some broader uh, conferences as well, uh, starting with Dumbcode, which was right. more yes. in the developer community, but also uh, Code Motion, uh, IT Next, uh, and yeah, basically explore the horizon. Right. And also worked with uh, the Agile conferences uh, via one of the the workshops I've uh, uh, I followed. Uh, they proposed the XP days to me. It's a yeah, XP conference, uh, Agile conference, and uh, yeah, I went there and basically I was sold. I'm going there this year, uh, this year again. For me, it's the yeah, pretty much the same experience I had always at PHP Benelux, but now in a completely different environment with completely different people, uh, and for me especially a completely different set of companies as well because I used to be in the yeah the, the smaller shops, the smaller uh, companies, uh, the startups. And now, uh, yeah, I'm currently uh, with with enterprise companies. Uh, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you need to broaden your eyes and uh, see what's on there on the market for conferences and meetups, yeah. so build a build a bigger network. Build a bigger network. Yeah. Build a different network. Or a different maybe. That's yeah. also possible. Yeah. Widen the network. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. T-shape your network. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Ooh, I, I should do a blog post around, around that. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah, I, I still <laughs> think that the main majority of my connections is PHP related because uh, if somebody asks me in one of the other conferences, do you know a developer? Yeah, I know someone. Uh, Backend developer? Yeah, sure. Uh, in Java, 
yeah, I think I know three or four people. <laughs> right, yeah. Or uh, Python or Ruby. Yeah, I know some people, but most of the developers are all PHP related. And also with all of the, the stack, most of the stack is related to the PHP community. Right. Right. So, and that's, um, that's not really a problem, of course, because uh, the, the positions that you're looking for are also available in the PHP world, I guess. I think so. Although, uh, yeah, my experience right now is that if you have a, you want a dedicated Scrum Master or Agile Cultural, uh, you have to look to the to the bigger organizations because right. most of the the smaller organizations they don't see the value in a dedicated Scrum Master or they don't see a value of an Agile Coach. That, right. uh, well, you're arranging th uh, five meetings and that's it. So what what else should you do? What mm. how can you fill all the time and uh, Agile Coach? Well. Uh, we read a read a book, so we do, we know what we should do. So we we just do it ourselves. We don't need your help anymore. Or we right. we will hire you for a week, and then we have some advice, and we will we have a roadmap, and then we will follow the roadmap. And yeah, that's not going to work in my opinion. So they hire an agile coach to create a waterfall. Yeah, plan. Basically, they're they're asking an agile coach can you create a plan what to do, and basically after that they're going to to, to follow the the plan one by one. And that's also the 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 failure you see in the community is. Uh, Spotify model or a safe model. This is the plan you should implement it directly like this. Right. That, that's There's a big difference in safe and Spotify. That's I, true. I, but I, I would think like to. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, safe, safe is, 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 is is actually prescribing yeah. all these things. Spotify mm -hmm. is absolutely not. No, but <laughs> the, the way uh, companies are introducing Spotify yes. is yes, absolutely, again, uh, absolutely uh, doing exactly like that. The, I mean, the same terms, I mean the, same the, the original blog post from I think Hendrik Knieberg um, from Spotify specifies. Yeah, I've been writing this, and the model has changed already. So <laughs> yeah. roll your own. And yeah. safe is specifying you should do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I just wanted yeah. to make that clear. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's one of the one of my pet peeves. One one of the many. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have something against safe. Okay, <laughs> I hear that a lot, but yeah, I can imagine at least in some companies uh, you need some uh, handhelds guidance guidance yeah. in, in in setting up the first pieces. I hear that a lot as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you do you want to elaborate or? No, yeah. I I don't think that's very productive. Okay. I mean, there's there's a lot written on there uh, on the internet already. Okay, there was an interesting blog post uh, lately. Maybe we can share it somewhere I, if I can find it. Uh, I've got uh, uh, the the show notes okay. where I can share links. Okay. Well, um, if you if you are interested in it, sure, I'll I'll be happy to to put it yeah. in the show notes. It that's was uh, it was um um someone that was uh, a safe coach and implementer for years. That has now turned. Oh, uh, so right. that, that's that's an interesting view yeah. on it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've talked a lot about work so far. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and about personal things. <laughs> and about personal things. I mean, as well. we we've talked about Black Pete. Yeah. Still work really. Sorry. Yeah. For yeah. Okay. That's still, one third work. Still very very interesting how we got there. Um, but I'm also wondering, um, like, uh, we're all, uh, um. How do you say it? Entrepreneurs, um, business people. We run our own business, whether it's as a freelancer or mm -hmm. slightly bigger than that. Um, how do you unwind when it's time to uh, let go? Like, okay, let me start with my own experience. Um, 
basically, I have one week of vacation per year where I don't bring my laptop. And the rest of the time, I always have my laptop with me, and I'm very tempted to grab it as soon as I have five minutes of time just to check if everything is still working. And I realize this is not a healthy way of doing mm-hmm. it, which is why I'm forcing myself to leave the laptop at home at least for one week a year. And that was last week, and I brought my laptop with me because I had to finish a proposal. and you know, Had to. Yeah. Had to. Is, to. Yeah, you choose yeah. to. <laughs> That's one of the things my, my, my coach learned me back then is basically you always have a, you, you can make a choice your own. So yes. uh, priorities, you, you can choose your priorities. And uh, yeah, depending on that, you, you have time or you don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, um, I'm uh, one of the small changes I'm trying to make in my own life um, is get rid of the words or well, there, there's one word in Dutch um, that sums them up. Must and have to. Right. Moeten yeah. in Dutch. Um, I'm trying to get rid of that in right. all my language. Um, doesn't work, um, but I'm trying to. So I'm very conscious of when I say that and what could be the alternative to that. Right. Because it's not about saying it or not saying it. It's about thinking about the alternative to that. Mm-hmm. And that's like basically being aware of exactly yeah, what you're choosing yeah. and what you're doing. So no, okay. no, I'm I I do not have to do this. I want to do this, or I don't, and then I don't. Okay, let, let me let me rephrase. Sorry, um, <laughs> I we got carried away. <laughs> I prioritized the um, the proposal mm-hmm. uh, because I have a developer available who is not uh, bringing in money at the moment, mm-hmm. or not directly at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a uh, have a potential client, and they wanted to yeah. meet this week, so I had to finish the proposal uh, mm-hmm. last week, or at least that's what I prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, but how 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 do you handle both of you handle this? Uh, where uh, how do you how do you get your priorities straight? Not silence. <laughs> we didn't stop talking. We're just actively th- thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least the, the, you're mentioning employees. Uh, that's one of the reasons I don't have any employees right. anymore. Yeah. Because now I'm uh, accountable for my own doing, and yeah, just uh, that. But yeah. but this is still applicable if you're um, in if need I'm, of work. If I'm uh, really in yeah. need of work, it, it will probably uh, or it will cause me stress at some point. Um, yeah. uh, maybe that's also why I waited this long to to actually make the step and stop everything I was doing and go for the next job and the next opportunity, because I wanted to make sure that I had a big enough stash of. Uh, of cash laying around so I could at least uh, uh, consciously make the decision. Right. I don't, yeah. uh, don't have that uh, to be pushed anymore. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm still thinking how to answer your question. I think it's, yeah, mostly it's uh, try to take a step back sometimes and think about it, uh, reflect with yourself. Yeah. The first time I really felt stressed, uh, the personal coach did that for me. And since then I'm... Uh, I'm at least more aware of how I'm feeling or, f- or uh, when I should listen to my uh, surrounding, when my wife is uh, telling me I'm too cranky or when I'm yeah. uh, noticing for myself I'm too cranky. I know something is up and I need yeah. to, to ch- change something. Um, uh, yeah, for, yeah, for me, it's uh, my body that always uh, knows exactly when to shut down. So then I oh. get ill, right. some kind of flu or, or anything. It, it just exactly at that that week you think 
yeah, I, okay, I know it's going to be a busy week, but I'll be fine. Right. That week, mm -hmm. my body says no in the yeah. middle of it, so then I have to cancel everything. Well, and then, well, I, I now try to be be earlier than my body, right. of course, because, well, yeah. that is not, not a very healthy way of doing things. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it's all about, uh, or it's been more and more about accepting that some kind that that some decisions i made or some um, agreements i made with myself are flexible right. so if i would have said to myself i have to unwind that specific week in the year then that becomes my stress right because yeah. if you keep keep to that keep hold of that and then make a conscious decision not to do it that week Right, then that becomes the stress. So then, then you're stressing about stressing, mm -hmm. and that is well meta stressing or <laughs> me meta, well, it it that that doesn't end well, I think. So for me, it's I think more about being flexible in that. So okay, I couldn't leave my laptop this week. Right. Um. So I'm I'm now projecting on you on your specific mm. uh, case, but then. Uh, leave your laptop s sometime uh, right. in the future. Yeah. So it not it not being about that specific one week is very important. I think. Yeah, but I have kids yeah. who go to school, so I'm very yeah. limited in uh, what specific periods of time I can do this. Mm -hmm. Well, I could do it in another week, but it's not as much fun for the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it a bit harder, of course. Yeah, but um, on the other hand, if you uh, if your um, state of mind gets out of hand, it's not that much <laughs> fun no, for your family okay. as well. That's but fair enough. Uh, it, it, the the point I think is the point where you would want to be um, is that this so so one decision doesn't influence yourself yeah. that much yeah. um, that you can't redeem it that you can't be flexible well come come to think of it um now now that you say it like that i mean i have been focusing more on on getting a better balance between work and uh, everything else um like sounds I, nice i i switched from uh, doing four days per week for a customer to three days per week for a customer uh, in an attempt to minimize the amount of work that I have to do uh, after regular work hours, uh, things like that. Um, so maybe uh, deciding to bring my laptop this time was because I could now. Because seriously, it hasn't really affected me. Well, um, bringing my laptop. Ha! Huh. There you are. <laughs> Ah, okay. And for me, uh, one of the things I, I shut down uh, a long time ago was basically shut down the notifications from email. Yeah. Or yeah. any apps that mm. are uh, uh, I found uh, the are experiencing stre stress from, just disable it. Or yeah. I can still check my email uh, pretty often if I want to, but I never get notifications anymore. Yeah. Uh, also for Slack. Uh, yeah. There are certain things, especially the notifications. Uh, if somebody actu actively mentioned me, then I get a notification. For all the other things, I don't get any notifications yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, I know you're pretty active on Twitter. Most of the time on Friday when my, uh, my, uh, I'm not working or I'm uh, 
uh, working from home, that's the day when I read up on Twitter. So yeah. I spend uh, half the day uh, just browsing through Twitter and reading right. up and uh, archiving everything. Yeah. Um, also, that's one of the other things is basically archiving or basically uh, write it off to you, set it on a list somewhere. Just yeah. It's out of my head right now. Uh, yeah. I move it out of the, uh, the, the direct uh, line of sight so I don't see it anymore. Yeah, constantly it, it gives me some relief that uh, it's out of my mind. I don't have to think about it anymore. I can basically forget about it, but I'm yeah. not afraid I actually forget about it because I still have it on a list somewhere. I was talking to someone that uh, keeps a bullet journal mm-hmm. to, to specifically for this reason, because then they can, they can write it down as something they have to do this week or next week or whatever, but at some point, uh, but then they can forget about it at that point. Yeah, I basically use something similar. Uh, it's my inbox for email. I use Gmail. That has the prior prioritization. Priori- uh. <laughs> Prioritization. That one. <laughs> Some English word I just can't pronounce. Uh, inbox. And uh, basically that splits your inbox in three. You have the, uh, the unread part, the, the start part, and the uh, basically red part. That's my inbox. Yeah. And most of the time, if I yeah, everything that's new is unread, uh, unread. Uh, but if I need to do something uh, pretty soon, I, uh, I leave it uh, in the, at the unread status. If I need to do something about it somewhere in the next couple of weeks or mo- uh, months, I, I store it. Everything else, basically, ultimately, uh, it's read. And, or, or I archive it uh, directly right. or I leave it at the bottom. And once in a while, I just go through the whole inbox and move it to different folders. And for things I think about, I use an app. Uh, I think it's called Boomerang. It looks like the, the spinner icon. And basically what you can do with it is uh, uh, click an icon to make it, uh, an image, or a photograph, uh, click an image, to, uh, click an icon to uh, record your voice or have a small text where you can enter something. And whatever you do there, it's sent an email to my inbox. And by doing so, at that point, I can really, uh, really quickly take notes. It's in my inbox. Next time I s- open up my inbox, I can archive it in the, the correct folder. And then right. it's off my mind again. Right. Yeah, that makes sense because you cannot remember everything, right? No, <laughs> I don't. I yeah, no. my mind is sometimes. Uh, Apart from that, I get stressed over forgetting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So yeah. that's stress I don't have to have. So yep. I but I don't do bullet journaling as well. My mm-hmm. my girlfriend does, um, very actively though. Um, and what what I do is I have a small Kanban board, so I have a board from right to left, done, doing, uh, do today, um, do this week, to do. Right. So there's a there's probably a long list of things in to do, but I try to clean that up once a month or something. Mm-hmm. And most of the stuff that didn't get to the do this week part, I can just discard. Right, because I, it's uh, not important. Because enough. it's apparently not important enough. So for me, it has been about um, saying no, even to myself. Right. So I can't do everything, yeah. even though I want to. I mean, I've, I've, um, well, in the beginning of my freelance life, for example, I um, prioritized going to meetups because I thought, well, I have to be out there. I, I have to be visible because I won't get hired otherwise. Mm-hmm. But then I noticed that doing stuff for work, even though it was fun, because most meetups in the PHP world are kind of fun, um, 
I noticed that doing stuff outside office hours, so in the evenings when most meetups are, um, got to my my stress levels. Oh, so right. I was not looking forward to them. I was being exhausted the next day. Um, so I stopped doing them. So they were on my list of ideas of go to the, that meetup, go to this meetup. But I just didn't. So I said no to myself to that. And it didn't influence anything else I did apart from seeing people. Um, so not, not getting jobs or something was not mm-hmm. not even something I I noticed. Yeah. Did you did you did you experience a lot of FOMO? <laughs> yes. Um in on different levels as well. Um so FOMO's fear of missing fear out. Fear of missing out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. It, I ran into someone uh, a week ago that didn't know the uh, right. abbreviation. Okay. So he yeah. also was thinking about what was the Okay, yeah. The fear of missing out. The fear yeah. of not going to something and yeah. then missing like the opportunity of that, your life. I know I didn't know the abbreviation no. of it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, absolutely. I would think, yeah, oh shit, but there was that uh, person that I wanted to talk to because he works at a company that I would really like to work for and you know that that kind of yeah. thoughts um, and well as I th- as I experienced this more and more I kept seeing that it didn't actually influence anything because I could call that person anyway right or I could send them a message yeah. So it took time, but with time, uh, trust came that everything will be all right, mm-hmm. even though you don't go to that one meetup or, you, you know, you don't put in that extra hour somewhere. But that took a long, long time. And on a on a social level, um, I'm not sure how, how you experience it, but I see like the the active PHP community, mm-hmm. most of it at least, I see it as a huge group of friends. Um, and recently I've decided I'm I'm doing a lot less conferencing and doing a lot less meetups. And the one thing I'm missing is the the personal contact with those friends. Mm. Have you have you experienced that? Yeah, I experienced it uh, because the last year, uh, at least, I've been to more and more Agile meetups and less and less PHP meetups. Uh, I used to be a regular visitor of PHP Amersfoort. I think in the last year I've been there two or three times. And also the PHP conferences uh, are coming less. But uh, yeah, I can still meet up if I want to on uh, on uh, PHPNL, the Slack channel, Yeah, uh, if I want to. I have a lot of uh, phone numbers, so if I want to contact somebody directly, I, it's also able to contact them there. Mm-hmm. But also, if I'm if I'm visiting a meetup, when I see them again, it's still it's like yeah, it's uh, actually visiting of a meeting old friends again. It's just yeah. as if I never left or if I was still around there. Yeah, no, I I recognize that, uh, um, but w- the the feeling I get, and maybe this is like it's the feeling of uh, miss- missing out again. The, uh, exactly, the ra- the, the but it's not it's not missing out on the uh, specifically the subject. It's like the mi- social part, social part, just talking to the people that I know well and uh, that I consider friends, and you know, 
ever since I so so I started in February I started uh, doing a radio show weekly radio show on Dutch national radio um, and uh, to m- create the time to do that because I really 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 wanted to do this to create the time to do that I said I'm gonna I'm not gonna uh, speak anymore at any conferences or at least not international conferences I'm not doing as many meetups anymore not visiting and not speaking either because I really need the time to prepare the show um, but the one thing that I'm really missing out on that I feel like I should go more to to those meetups is because I want to talk to the, the people that are there not not specifically for the talks but you know just the the connection with the people and and that's that's the hard part have have you experienced that uh, not directly i think i'm uh yeah, my social life is always uh, pretty broad and i have a uh, lots of uh, different friends uh, groups and mm-hmm. time flies really fast so sometimes uh, one of my best friends uh yeah uh, he also got kids now i've got kids so uh, we used to speak each other on almost on a daily basis and now sometimes it, uh, weeks or months are apart and we even yeah for some reason i don't really notice that it, it takes months uh, before i see them again right so it doesn't impact me socially like okay. like that or mentally uh, like that okay how about you yeah for me it works more like what jeroen describes okay. so i think i'm um well my my social life um hasn't been at a at one point in time really t- uh, tied to the uh, PHP community. So I've always had a inner circle of close friends right. um, outside of the PHP community. So I think it was always a nice add-on rather than a group of very close right. friends. Yeah. So I think that is... I, I mean, um, I'm filling in for you but um i think you are way more of a community or php community person than i've ever been yeah um well i guess it's uh, that's a result of the the moment when i started speaking Mm -hmm. where when i first started speaking which is uh, a long time ago i don't know the exact year probably around 2005 something like that there weren't a lot of uh, a lot of speakers yet at that point, so that meant that you would run into the same people at every conference. And I was doing a lot of conferences in that time, uh, so they become they actually become really close friends. You talk to them a lot because you find them. You know, sometimes you would see them every month. Yeah. Um, so I guess, and because I've always been. Um, maybe pushing myself too much into the the work thing, the PHP thing, and things like that. That was most of my mm-hmm. most of my inner circle was from that yeah. group of people. Well, t- too much is a value thingy. Uh, I, I, okay. I, I, yeah. I, I I don't know how how useful it is to say it was too much or too too little or anything. Well, but too- what what for me always happens at conferences is that i get get overwhelmed by the enormous amount of people yeah so for me most of the time 
after dinner or after a few drinks, I am so tired yeah. that I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. There aren't a lot of times where I am, um, uh, where my extrovert part is shining through that I can can do like uh, nights until four right. and then yeah. no. That that ju- just doesn't happen. I'm I'm always describing myself as an ambivert, um, ever since I uh, found that word, mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't an introvert, but I wasn't an extrovert right. either. Yeah. So there's there's something in between apparently. So someone found a label for that. Yay labels. <laughs> um, yeah, the point of that label for me was not. Uh, yay I fit in a box but yay there is someone else that thought of a word right. that and yeah I'm, I'm, else I'm, I'm not I'm way. not alone yes yeah. that is that is what labels do for me basically yeah um but yeah for me it it's 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 like that I I don't do a lot of all-nighters yeah there yeah. well I, d- I, I don't do that many all-nighters uh, anymore at no, least. exactly <laughs> anymore but uh, but i've always I've had them I, i've always had especially with conferences like meetups is usually just a couple of hours that's it uh, but uh, conferences are usually multiple days but i've always really liked the conferences that host their conference in a hotel so i can go to my hotel room in the middle of the day just to get some rest so I can go on and do an all night. Well, not an mm-hmm. all nighter, but at least uh, you know, stay up until four a.m. to order pizza at Peachtree Benelux. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess I I took the breaks in the middle of the day instead of you know yeah. pushing through the day and then uh, uh, retiring early. Yeah, for me, for me, it's um, really easy to uh, mess up my daily routine daily rhythm right uh, my my sleep wake thing um so i'm not willing to do that so i'm not willing to to shift that around too easily because i well then then i end up with a daily routine that is uh, fucked up when i get home right so Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's something i'm i'm yeah I don't know. I'm I'm too much of an introvert for that. Mm-hmm. I think it it takes too much energy yeah. for me to want it. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. And it's also something that changes when you're getting older. At least that's something I experienced myself when I was younger. I also went to a, a lot of festivals. For me, it was easy for Lowlands. It was three day festival, so it was five day weekend for me because right. uh, the day before we went there, we drank all night. Then the the first day, second day, mm-hmm. third day, and then. Yeah. Last day we we slept again in the tent and on Monday we went home, and that was easy for me. And uh, last couple of years, so when I went to Groesrock, uh, it was a two-day festival. Basically, on the second day already, I I, I could hardly stand on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something. Yeah, basically, my body is telling me you're getting older as well, and also the the rhythm you're in. Uh, uh, yeah, yourself. Uh, yeah, when I was going to Lowlands, yeah, I didn't have a girlfriend, or I just had a girlfriend. I didn't have any kids. I was still in school. Uh, my rhythm was pretty much, yeah, uh, stay up all night uh, behind a computer screen and do, uh, playing games uh, every weekend at a LAN party. So I was used to not getting that much sleep. Right. And now I have three kids, so I'm trying to sleep as much as I can because uh, the kids <laughs> still keep me up at night sometimes. 
uh, I go to bed earlier, I uh, stay up, I, I wake up pretty early. So when I'm at the conference, I, I'm still want to stay up late uh, and I can stay up late, but most of the time the, I'm paying the toll for it after the conference. So a couple of days yeah. after the conference, I'm, I'm cranky at home or I'm sleeping at home. And yeah. I think, I think, I don't know if this is public knowledge, but um, I think you call PHP Benelux your yearly outing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for me, the, the, the conferences and uh, meetups, they're also uh, uh, partly work because I meet a lot of people and I uh, expand my network. But it's also, it, it's it's fun. It's a sort of a holiday for me. It's a day out. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's completely different from my daily yeah. routine, from my kids, from my family. Uh, and I really like one or two of those events where I'm actually... Out of my uh, uh, my family environment, where I can basically do whatever I want without uh, having to take any anyone yeah. into account, and that's also why I like to go uh, basically alone to an event instead of uh, having a partner or having a friend of mine that's staying in the same room. Right, because it gives me the freedom to to, yeah. to do whatever I want and yeah. go where whenever I want. Yeah, it's funny how the um, um, I hear that a lot. That people say, you know, conference it, it's work, you know, it's learning, it's things like that. Um, but it's at the same time, you're um, like it's a break, mm -hmm. it's time away. Like even like Jeremy Coates, who is um, uh, the coach of coaches every year at WeCamp, um, he he's he's saying the same thing, you know. Yes, I'm I'm actually doing work, you know. I have a role at at WeCamp. But uh, on the other hand, uh, it's it's like I I go on a trip. It's a welcome distraction. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's a break from your normal rhythm, and that makes it. Uh, on the one hand, there's a bit of stress, but on the other hand, there's there's a lot of relaxation. You you get a break. Um, so it's nice to see <laughs> that that uh, that you experience it in a similar way. Yeah, I still struggle with that. With uh, uh, f for me, it's more of work than right. it is of leisure. Okay. So for me, that's still something I I I do struggle yeah. with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I need downtime. Apart from that, or right, uh, yeah. it, it it tires me. So it it's worth it. I mean, I actively choose to go to a conference or a meetup. Um, because I know I can just not go. That's that's fine, but it's still tiring. Yeah. It's it takes a toll on me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I small small sidestep. I um, this whole conversation is small, <laughs> side small sidestep, step, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I used to go to the the US a lot for conferences as well. Um, and I always had a hard time when I entered the U.S. to answer the simple question that you get when you enter the U.S. <laughs> is this a business or pleasure? Like, how do I answer this? It's impossible, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, over time, I have to admit, over time, um, especially the longer trips like U.S., uh, I consider that more to be pleasure. Um, uh, where the the shorter trips, like uh, conferences in the Netherlands, for instance, that's that's my home base. That's that's where I run my business. That's more business. Yeah, yeah. For me, I think it's the other way around. 
I've I've never been real far for conferences, but um, the longer it takes, the more travel it takes because traveling really tires me, right. really yeah. wears me out. Yeah. Um, the longer it takes, the more it would feel like business because okay. I'm away from home, yeah. and that is where I want to be home, basically. Right. So I'm an I'm a real introvert in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't really mind being away from home, but uh, up to I think two weeks. If I stay somewhere longer than two weeks, then I'm, then I'm going to feel homesick. Then right. I really want to go home again. But up until two weeks, I yeah, don't really experience it. I also have a business in France and in Spain, and I used to uh, fly over there once in a while. Um, yeah, basically that was purely business, but still it was a real nice experience for me because it's yeah. uh, a completely different country, different uh, rhythm, uh, different people. Yeah, even though it was tiresome and it was business, it was still fun for me. Yeah. So, um, if you if you need or if you feel like the the you know the break from the norm, changing your environment, or whatever, is important. Do you do you go do you work at co-working spaces every once in a while just to break that regular office routine? I do. Uh, some time ago, I was introduced to Seats to Meet. Yeah. So uh, last couple of months, when I was uh, working from home, uh, I went there as well. And actually, I'm uh, renting an office with my uh, parents-in-law uh, just to have uh, stuff there, so I can uh, yeah, basically also isolate myself and uh, basically have a door to the door to sh- shut behind me if I'm yeah. uh, at the right. office or not. Yeah. And that's also part because we don't have really the office space at home. Uh, but for me, it's also, uh, I, I like going to work somewhere, even if it's next door or it, it would be the garage, at least have a, right. a, a space away from my daily routine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't work from home because I don't have the space currently. Uh, if I would have, I may be good, but I really like to go somewhere and uh, leave that place. That's the important right. part. I don't always like to go somewhere, but. And also, like, uh, yeah, since I uh, I uh, got to know seats to meet, I like it m- uh, better to go there than go to my home office because I also uh, meet other people at least right. uh, when I go to the uh, to the coffee corner or something to get a drink yeah. or even the people that come sit across me on the table, just have a small conversation and uh, during lunch uh, talk to some people and yeah, basically but talk again. That's the whole concept of seats to meet, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's the whole concept, <laughs> and that's also uh, yeah what I really like from it. Yeah. Yeah, having interaction with other people. Yeah, because that's 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 also a thing, and I find that's for instance that's where I l- why I really love uh, the the PHP and L Slack channel. It's it's getting different viewpoints on on the, the things that you work on, uh, s- uh, completely different experience with the same software, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, which I guess in Seeds to Meet it's even wider because in PHP and L it's still limited PHP related, to PHP. Yeah people from PHP community mostly um, and, and maybe uh, uh, some some front-enders and, and you know, uh, recruiters. <laughs> but um, uh, in Seeds to Meet, it's like everything. Uh, if you look at uh, the, the list of people that are there when you're there, because they have those lists mm-hmm. to, to, you know, uh, make sure that people actually mingle, um, it's like startups, Consultancy gigs, uh, uh, 
coaches, uh, everything. Teachers, teachers, uh, mechanics, even uh, yeah. business intelligence, everything. Yeah. So that's sh should everyone have that? What exactly? The opportunity to uh, um, communicate with people outside of their uh, local bubble. I think everyone should have the opportunity, but they already have because seats to meet is there. If they take right. the opportunity, uh, they, yeah. that's up to them. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people that wouldn't thrive on this. Right. Um, I think it's a very specific kind of uh, of people, and I think I'm less and less one of those. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, I'm I'm not very good at networking or just talking to people, starting right. a conversation or keeping a conversation going in that sense. So no, I wouldn't say. I I think everyone already has that opportunity. So you'd rather uh, rent a fixed office somewhere or a fixed desk? Yes. In the same place, like uh, uh, instead of going to a seats to meet where you would sit in a different place with different people every day. It also depends what you're working on, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, At and least I for think me, for me, uh, the yeah. kind of assessments uh, uh, I take on, if I'm uh, uh, at seats to meet, I also did some Ansible work. And then it's sometimes harder for me to focus because I'm, I have a more distraction. So right. if you really want to focus on something, then you might also want to be. Uh, alone by yourself right. or we have really good uh, noise cancelling headsets mm -hmm. yeah that's that's something that I uh, I got uh, a noise cancelling headset a couple of years ago and I, I don't understand how I worked before I got one of those I have those uh, as well but most of the time I don't turn on the noise cancelling because okay. for some reason I also like the the, 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 the the little distraction in the background that I uh, just can't hear exactly what they're saying, but at least there's some uh, some noise in the background. Right. Yeah, I like it. It's I f it feels more natural for me to have some kind of rustling of the leaves or voices or anything. But also the it, it, it feels very unnatural. Um, the noise cancelling thing. I I can't okay. get used to it. I also like basically just the feeling of a headset having a headset on. Uh, sometimes when I'm in an office space with a lot of people, I. Yeah, basically, I turn the headphone on more to concentrate and uh, partly also to uh, to signal to other co-workers I'm currently uh, focusing. Right. But I don't even turn on the music. It's just turned off on my head and just uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the sheer pressure on my ears or my head, it's actually taking some for some uh, right. uh, causing some rest in my head already. Nice. nice. But it, uh, for me, it really depends on the, uh, where I'm working. Like my current... Uh, client, I, I work on site with them, um, but it's like a very small office. There's three other people in there on the busiest day, and uh, right like today, there was only one other person. But uh, one of my previous uh, customers was uh, a pretty big room with uh, six, seven, eight people that were uh, constantly talking. There was music playing in the background. And if people got crazy, they, they got their Nerf guns out and started shooting each other. Uh, so there was a lot of distraction there. And I found out that for situations like that, I really love those noise-canceling headphones. Um, because, you know, that, that, that allowed me to focus. Yeah, I'm I easily distracted. I can understand. Uh, for me, it's, I think, also that... Uh kind of mood I'm in or something, how easily I got distracted. Sometimes right, when yeah. I'm, uh, my mind is to something, 
you can yeah. shout next to me and yeah. I just don't hear you or I, I notice you but it's <laughs> not coming true that's also something my wife is con sometimes complaining about it I'm <laughs> yes. reading something on my phone and she's <laughs> having complete conversations and I'm yeah okay I'm, yeah don't uh, yeah, nothing <laughs> she mentions really uh, sticks with me I get that response as well yeah. uh, especially when I'm reading yeah yeah okay um do any of you have anything to add? Probably oh. just after you turn off the recording. Of, of course. No. Well, I yeah. can probably talk on uh, for hours for all yeah. kind of uh, subjects. So yes. <laughs> let's let's try to keep it. Uh, we're already two hours in. So yeah. Um, then I've got one question, and this is going to be interesting because now there's two of you, uh, where I had uh, only one guest in previous episodes. Uh, there's one question, and that is um, every episode needs to have a title. Um, and it's up to you now Ooh. to determine what the title of this episode may be. It it can be very clickbaity if you want. It can it can be very um, in depth on the stuff that we talked You'll about. Never guess what happens next. <laughs> we just have to have something in front of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's up to you to determine the title of this episode now. On the spot. Yeah, I was already afraid of that. I listened <laughs> to the previous podcast and I was no. trying to think of a title beforehand and no, just that didn't work out. No, no, <laughs> I can imagine. And I was already thinking about it during the podcast. I'm, I must say it. I haven't listened every every episode. Uh-huh. So sorry for that. That's fine. They're long episodes. I yes. can understand. It's probably part where we just cut off and Stefan mixes it in later. later <laughs> <again>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a Benny Hill mu- uh, music uh, in between or something. And now he's saying, oh, we're now four hours later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, what did we talk about? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. If you don't want a lot of uh, clicks, that you probably need to and uh, put something from uh, Pete's in there, but <laughs> <laughs> nothing that's positive. Yeah, I wouldn't go that way. I think when the, the theme of the, the it's also improving yourself or improving. Mm-hmm. Fair. So then we just need clickbait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is easier with just one guest. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you did it just by me, I think it's just as hard for me. Yeah, and the, the same for me. So yeah. this Even is because the, the previous titles were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> You're raising a bar with every episode. So right, it's right. pretty hard for us. Yeah, I haven't read yeah. those titles, but thanks. <laughs> 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 that was sarcasm, by the way. Let's let, let me let me get all of the yeah. all of the titles for you yeah. so you get some inspiration. Yeah, thanks. How dancing can improve your career? No, yeah. no, it's it's oh, even better. How Fortnite dancers can help your speaking career? That's Rick. Uh, that was Obviously, Rick. Obviously, yes. Uh, then we have why anarchism is not scary. Okay. That was my talk with Michiel. Yeah. Uh, then uh, I had Michiel uh, Michiel Papenhoven. Okay. I um, then uh, speaking your way into a family. Mm-hmm. It was Raphael. And uh, then the last one uh, so far, Life, the Universe, and Everything. Mm-hmm. It was me talking to Juliet. 42. Can we just call it 42 is the yeah, answer no, to that. <laughs> no. that's, that's too easy. Yeah. Improving yourself one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah. can go with that. Very serious. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Improving yourself one step at a time. Yeah. We've got our title. Okay. Jeroen, thank you very much. Thank you. Jelvik, thank you very much. No problem. And, um, well, we'll see each other soon. Probably. Probably. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to By the Campfire. For more information about the podcast or finding other episodes, check bythecampfire.net.